0: dark art society podcast covers a variety of important and contemporary issues including dark art as well as other kinds of art literature film music also culture philosophy dreams paranormal experiences magic and a whole lot more than that i'm mike Carell, director of chet czar i like to paint monsters and you are listening to the dark art society podcast hosted by renowned artist chet czar
1: hello well hello chet how are you today i'm doing pretty good Got my taxes done, so that was a relief. Yeah, you grinded on that for a while. Man, I've been grinding for, it seems like, months without a break. It's insane. It's painful. At some point, I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, I always hit these points where I'm like, is it worth it? If you're working this hard at something, <laughs> does maybe you shouldn't be doing that if you have to work that hard to make it work. But, you know, then I come to my senses.
0: Well, then at the end of the day, you work for yourself and you don't have all these external constraints yeah. that you would have if you worked for somebody else. And that amounts for so much more because I think really at the end of the day, it's about quality of life. I mean, again, as we talked about before, money is really that liaison to provide you the quality of life. So if you can't even get quality of life, you know, no matter what it takes to get quality of life. And so if quality of life for you comes from not having someone you know, telling you what to do and when right. to do it then that sacrifice is certainly worth it. I mean, I can attest to that because that's how I feel about it. Having only done it for a very small amount compared to you. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. That is. Yeah.
1: It's worth it. It's worth it. But just, there's some certain points where you're just, you know, you've put yourself so hard and you keep pushing and pushing and you're like, it shouldn't be this hard. And, uh, but you know, like, I said. well, I
0: always say, you know, anything, anything good worth having is worth working hard for.
1: That's true. And if it was easy, everyone would do it. It's one of my favorite quotes. But that, true. That, uh, that's a good little intro to um, talk about our topic today, which is dealing with galleries. And um, I get questions all the time about getting into galleries and dealing with galleries. And I've been dealing with galleries. I make it sound like a negative thing that I don't mean it that way. Dealing with galleries, <laughs> just more like, you know, how you interact with gallery and I've been showing a gallery since 2002, uh, two, I think, or 2001 or something like that. So I, yeah. I know galleries pretty
0: well. So well, I, I mean, are you, are you thinking about, you know, as usual, since we haven't talked about the structure of what it is that we're embarked <laughs> upon already, uh, have you thought about are you going to take people through kind of maybe what it was like getting into it and then – to where you are now, or you, do you want to specify more like topics and, and oriented towards, you know, providing tips and information uh, less, less than storytelling?
1: Uh, I have no idea. Actually, well, <laughs> actually, I was thinking maybe just the tip. <laughs> that didn't sound right. I won't say it. will not <laughs> say it. it. Please don't say it. <laughs> it's Easter Sunday. <laughs> don't say it on Easter Sunday. Um, <laughs> I was just thinking more, you know, answering a lot of questions I get and also, uh, discussing just h- how to behave when it comes
0: to dealing with the gallery and stuff like that. So, um, cause that's, that's important, right? The way that you behave with them is important to, uh, absolutely. And, and how, how is it important?
1: Well, yeah, it's important to, you know, to get in a gallery, it's important to present yourself a certain way, but, um, and you know, behave a certain way, but not to say, not to be yourself, but, um, you know, it's a professional relationship. Um, so let me start with the one question I get probably more than any others regarding galleries. And that is how do I get my work in a gallery? And I, and, um, what I first want to say, what I always say is that you don't have to get in a gallery nowadays, you know, you can have a great career not being in a gallery. What's his name? N. C. So, Winters. Yes, N. C. Winters, right? Yep. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a really cool guy and a great artist, and he has um, a career on you know social media, and I think Glenn Arthur as well. I mean, I think he shows in galleries, but mainly he's making his money from social media. A lot of artists are. Um, that's not to say there's not a benefit from being in a gallery. You know, there is. There are benefits to being in galleries, but it's not like you shouldn't feel like if you can't get in at this point that you're you know you're screwed because you're not. It's uh it's fine.
0: And when you say when you just to just to clarify for myself as well as others, when you say make money off social media, what you mean is basically using social media as a virtual gallery for your art, uh, predominantly, right?
1: Right. Doing the function of what a gallery would traditionally do which is present your art and and sell it and promote you you know so um so i will i just want to you know people to know that the the gallery is not the end-all be-all and you don't necessarily need one nowadays but having said that i do think it's important to a degree to show in a gallery um because there is a certain level of prestige that comes with showing in galleries, no doubt about it. Just the average lay person uh, sees that as a, a big deal. You know, it's it just legitimizes you a little bit more. So it is good. And, you know, it's, it's good in terms of uh, pr- them promoting you and being associated with a gallery you like is great. You know, it just makes you seem like more of a legitimate artist. So... Um, you know, I, I personally, I do about one solo show a year and that's at Copro gallery. And what's cool is they're my favorite gallery and they're my main gallery, kind of my home base gallery. And, um, so I feel very fortunate to have hooked up with them pretty early on. Um, Gary started buying my work <clears throat> Fairly early on. And, then and like, you
0: mean, you mean Gary Pressman? Uh, yes.
1: Gary Pressman at Copperall Gallery, uh, Gary and Erica run Copperall Gallery and, um, they're super cool. And, uh, I really like working with them. Uh, and one thing I, I really like about them is they're pretty chill. Um, they don't, they don't do contracts, which I love actually. Uh, and I guess that brings me to my second point I wanted to bring up that I get from a lot of people, or I usually hear it after the fact, and I'm, and I'm bummed about it. And that is don't sign long-term contracts with galleries. There is no reason for it. Unless they're offering you a ton of money up front. I wouldn't sign a, uh, a, a contract with the gallery unless they were giving me like, you know, if they want, I've, I've heard of galleries signing people for a year or two years, which basically means you can't show anywhere else for that period of time.
0: And that, that piece, you mean, whatever no, piece you have in that show, no anything can't. like you can't oh, show okay. it at any other
1: gallery. <laughs> That's wow. why it's crazy. And, and I've seen people sign with galleries thinking it's going to, you know, really blow up their career and it may or may not. But, um, you know, I just don't see any reason to sign a contract uh, unless they're giving you a bunch of money and none of them do. As far as I know, they, there was a gallery a while back, um, Corey Helford gallery was giving, giving people money to sign with them. And that's a different story. And even that didn't work out for some friends of mine that I know. So, um, I just don't recommend it aside from the standard, contract usually galleries if you're in a group show or you have a solo show the gallery will sometimes send you a contract that says we get to hang on to the work for three months and try and sell it and um that's totally fine and cool and, and reasonable too really you know you're giving them time to sell your work and you know you've did the work for the show it's it's all good and they're promoting and whatnot so um you know the short-term contracts are cool and nothing to be afraid of but i personally would not sign anything that was like a year or two unless they you know i'd have to get like a hundred thousand dollars up front to sign with a gallery for a year or two and i you know it's not going to happen not in this scene anyway
0: so that's a big, well, you one. know, it's, it's interesting you brought that up because I have not shown in a lot of galleries and actually it's, it's ironic because I got my AA in fine arts. And then I was like, I'm going to, I want to do filmmaking. Cause I don't think that I'll ever be able to do anything with the gallery world. So I was like, yeah, you know, and then of course I made this film and threw it, you and some other people saw some of the work I do and, and evidently like it enough to ask me to be, be in shows. And so that was new for me. And it was definitely uh, like a I guess a fringe benefit because I didn't expect it. I wasn't even thinking about it. So it was like, whoa, cool. This is fun. But then it's been new to me. So like, for instance, I've shown with you at Conjoined and all the other group artists that show there and, you know, with Gary and them. And again, there is no contract. Email communications very basic, very easy. You know, Mm. this is when I'm going to ship it and I'll check up, let you know. And then like, for instance, uh, the Darker Compassion show at the Haas Brothers Gallery in Pagosa Springs, Colorado, they invited me. And so I sent a piece over there And they did have a contract. Mm -hmm. And so that was new for me. You know, they emailed it to me and I read it and it was real legitimate. It was basic. It was like, you know, we're going to have the show. This is when the show runs. Please give us the title, the size, you know, basic stuff. And then, you know, we're going to keep it for that time and we'll get it back to you afterwards. And so I've had both of those as a newbie, basically. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And, and, you know, and I think they each do have their, their benefits. When you sign that contract as a new person, you're feeling like, okay, I have a little bit of... You know control over my piece too because there's paperwork that says that they have it you know oh. whereas if you just ship something off you know right. to some degree, there's no proof that it ever existed right. uh, you but know that's so interesting
1: yeah short-term contracts are really for the benefit of both parties for sure because they usually say you know we agree to return shipping and we will pay for it in case of some kind of damage that's incurred you know that's the gallery's fault or whatever so they, they are actually good for, for that. I just don't understand the long-term contract thing in this scene where you're not getting any money up front or you're not getting any kind of huge benefit from it because you're taking yourself out of the, you know, the pool of of artists doing their thing, you know? So well, if, that's the whole point of the dark art marketing thing we talked about was right. how to get
0: yourself in the pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: right, right. So, you know, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Same goes with... Um, I guess while we're at it, I, I didn't think about this, but the same goes for, you know, having an agent or something, um, or a rep that is totally obsolete now. Uh, I, I and I don't know a lot of people that have signed with agents. If you're an illustrator, it's a different story, but if, but if you're a fine artist, y- you know, you can talk to the gallery yourself. You can email the gallery. Um, and if there's no, you know, there's, to be honest, there's, it's, it's not easy to make decent money doing fine art. So, you know, giving another person a cut after that's getting you into gallery shows, that's already taking half the money Yeah, um, is, yeah. That, that ends up really cutting into your potential uh well you know what you maker. know what i would
0: do in that situation and this is just the hustler in me but here's what i would do is i would find somebody who's a friend of mine who likes me and who i like them and they want to be involved with what it is i'm doing and i would say hey why don't you make a mike mike correll publicity at gmail.com email address for me and you are now my rep and you get the credit of having gone through the experience of talking to galleries mm. and learn as you go along what the process is and you rep me. And then I don't have to deal with that. And we both win, you know, so right. again, there are workarounds. So it's like, again, even if you say to yourself, well, I'm not good at that stuff. I can't represent myself. Right. I'm just an artist. Find someone who's a good friend of yours or someone around that wants to do it and use them. And they will be using you and everyone wins because mm-hmm. they're, you're working towards a common goal. Yeah, There's so yeah. much value and experiential knowledge, you know, right. for someone trying something new. Yeah. So, thing also flexible, adaptable, you know, mm-hmm. that same old fucking yeah. line I'm always spinning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: That's a, that's a great approach. Um, you know, there was a guy, I forget his name and I probably wouldn't say it if I remember it anyway. Uh, but he was going around years ago and sort of finding these new artists and signing deals with them to be their rep. And, you know, it was just, it was such a bummer to me because everybody in the art scene knew this guy was kind of, you know, a joker, <laughs> a clown or whatever. No one really took him seriously, so it wasn't like you got a lot of prestige from having this guy represent you. Um and it was it, like I said, it's so easy to to get in a gallery nowadays yourself that that it's really unnecessary to even think about doing that. And you know, you should Look at it as an opportunity to, to hone some skills that you might not have, you know, totally, there's, totally. there's so many as artists, there's so many difficult things that you have to do that we don't want to do. Like deal with your business marketing, like we talked about in the last podcast and promoting yourself, talking about yourself,
0: contacting galleries Learning how to use smartphones and platforms, and <laughs> yep. ways to promote Absolutely. And technological stuff that you don't want anything to do. I mean, I was a technophobe till twenty ten. I right. didn't even get on Facebook till two thousand ten. I had to make myself do it because it was like either I'm gonna continue to be a nobody and I'll do all this wonderful work, but I'll have no audience, so I might as well just be jacking off in you know, my mind because right. it's like you know, I'm it's all for me. I got to make myself learn these things and I don't care if it's uncomfortable because it may possibly lead me to be able to have an audience, which means that it's not just for me. It's not just this egotistical little dance. Right. It's about something larger than me, you know?
1: Yeah. And don't you feel so much better for having learned all that stuff? It's changed oh, your yeah. whole life. I mean, it's completely totally. it's, it can really transform your life. If you, if you embrace these things that you're afraid to deal afraid with. Of. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which gets us back into the dark art thing. But, um, so, uh, let's see, what are some other gallery tips and tricks pro tips? Um, like I said, I didn't plan this out, so I just need to think about galleries. I mean, I guess we can go to the basics of obviously what? don't, What? Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, obviously don't be an asshole to a gallery, <laughs> you know, be cool, treat them respectfully. Um, At least, you know, and this is the galleries I deal with. This is the, you know, they're not the blue chip galleries. I don't even know how that world works. Um, I have a feeling, though, from all my experience in the film industry and, you know, knowing people who kind of tangentially relate to the blue chip gallery scene, that it's probably the same bullshit for the blue chip galleries. I don't know that for a fact, though, because I haven't really dealt with them. (laughs)
0: The <laughs> Well, that's yeah. what Gary – I mean that's what Gary said in uh, the documentary in Chet's mm. I Like to Pay Monsters. I mean that's basically what – that's exactly what Gary Pressman said and he would know, right? Right. I mean, yeah. And yeah. He's, that's what he said. He's like, it's just a bunch of bullshit. He's like, it's a bunch of bullshit people representing other bullshit people <laughs> in a bullshit scene. I mean that was more or less – <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean if you want to see the whole thing, watch the movie. But nevertheless, it's that was his call on it was like, yeah, it's just a bunch of bullshit. It's, yeah. it's a bunch of highfalutin people you know, trying to get other artists that they can earn off of into a position to be able to earn and it's just a hustle you know right. it's not even about the art really it's about the names and all that bullshit, right. bullshit. That,
1: yeah yeah that that brings me to a great that reminds me of a great point that i can talk about and that is um if you want to get in a gallery so we've we've discussed the importance of galleries and being important or not important which i'm gonna i'll go back into later because there are some, yeah there's
0: uh, more there yeah
1: there, there's more about the benefits of, of the, being in a gallery that i should talk about but um If you want to get in a gallery, what you have to do is show that you have a track record of sales. Because that is the bottom line for any gallery. I don't care how cool they are. They have to keep their doors open. And it is uh, having curated um, Conjoined now for seven years and done some other curating, it's really hard to run a gallery. That's why I I, um, don't feel this kind of adversarial attitude towards galleries, which a lot of artists do because it is, it's I've been on the other end of it and it's really hard for them to make their money and keep their doors open and deal with artists. Um, You know, they're not the easiest people to deal with. I found fickle. Fickle. Well, just, you know, cause a, a lot of them don't realize what it, what goes into making a gallery run and function. And so, you know, you'll have a, a show of 200 artists and then you'll have one artist, you know, being saying some little minute detail about something and they're not realizing everybody, you know, we're trying to take care of everybody in the show. It's really hard to just zero in and, you know, make sure that your thing is, you know, two degrees <laughs> off the side a little
0: bit more, you know what I'm yeah, saying? That's a, that's a forest for the trees kind of situation. Yeah, yeah. So, um,
1: but, point being, it's, it is difficult. It's very difficult. I would never open a gallery. Maybe if I'm, if I ever get really rich and, um, I, I, I could afford to just pay everybody to deal with everything. I might do it because it would be kind of cool to have your own gallery and sh- to show your own work. But, but as a business, I would never do it. It's way too hard. The way the work is too, it's not, it's too difficult for me to do. And, um, that's coming from me. That is, you know, busting my ass constantly with, with the fine art thing. So, um, but, uh, what was my original point there? What it, it was, uh, how to get into galleries. Okay. So, yeah. 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 So, um, and excuse me for hogging the conversation, but, you know, Mike was basically saying, you know, you've had the experience with the gallery, so you're probably going to be speaking the most. So I'm
0: I'm, yeah. I'm just playing, I'm just playing co-pilot on this yes. episode guys, but we're going to, we're going to be end up, end up talking more about uh, the Kickstarter and dark art marketing and stuff like that. And i you'll hear more of me. So enjoy your chat for now.
1: <laughs> That's on the next podcast though, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Anyway. Um, so now I forgot my point. Uh, How to
0: get into galleries. <laughs>
1: okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the bottom line is if you're selling, if you can show that you have a, a, a lot of followers. I know this sounds petty, but it's true. If you have a lot, a large number of followers on social media, that usually translates into sales if you're smart about it. So they'll look at your um, popularity in social media. And if you're selling work, you will get a show. You'll be able to get a show at any gallery you want if you're selling work. You know, if, you, if you're not selling work and you want some gallery to come in and um, swoop in and Start selling your work. It's probably not going to happen. I mean, it's possible that a gallery will believe in you and love your work so much that they'll just take you under their wing and um, sell your work. But that's probably not going to happen. Um, that's very, very rare. And you know, I, I can't think of an instance that I've seen it happen. Actually, I'm sure it has in in my time, but. Um, So that's why you really need to master the marketing angle and selling your own work. And then at that point, when you start selling your own work, you're kind of like, well, do I need to be in a gallery? Because I'm making a living. So why do I need the gallery? Which I guess we can come back to that. And um, like I said, there is the prestige angle of being in a gallery that's good. The the other thing I like about being in a gallery is it allows for a, a celebration of your work. You know, with your fans, You're, it's kind of for your fans. This is how I justify giving up half of the money because most galleries take 50%. That's a, that's the average. And that's the general rule. They take half of it. Um, don't let me forget. There's a point about pricing and galleries, Mike, Mike if you could remind me of that, <laughs> I do this with Lisa all the time, whenever I think is something I'm going to forget, please don't let me forget because I have such a terrible memory, um, but uh also getting an excuse for um, fans to be able to see your work in person, you know. And the, that's uh,
0: the big thing yeah, I think right there. Yeah,
1: that that's I mean, that's the only way to really experience a piece of art is seeing it in person. It's like, you know, I always say the diff- the difference between seeing work in a book or uh, online versus seeing it in person is the difference between hearing a band on a CD and seeing the band live. You know, there's, it's, it's a totally different experience and, uh, I love CDs, you know, and, but, you know, seeing a band live is
0: that much greater. So, um, well, you know, the funny thing that's changed too, and I won't let you lose your point, but the funny thing that's changed is like, normally if you paint bigger, right? Like if you, you paint a larger painting, you go into a gallery and it looks big. But the funny thing now about social media, phones and computers is that actually the bigger it is, the smaller yeah. it looks on the device. Right. Right. right because right. it's so much larger and then it has to compress it down to fit into that little tight little spot. So actually the bigger it gets, the less you can appreciate the intricacy of it from a phone. And mm-hmm. it's, it's wild. It's like an inversion. Anyway, that's a, a sideline. But yeah. Yeah, yeah that's continue. a great that's a that's a great point. Great point. Um
1: the, the, you know, and the other good thing about being in galleries, I'm, I'm giving the pros of the gallery world right now, um, is they do have, if they're a good gallery, they have a collector base that they can market to that you might not have. So they'll get you new collectors. And, um, you know, that's what it's all about. Because uh,
0: they, they have a big mailing list, right? right yeah,
1: most galleries have a big mailing list and they have regular collectors that they know that aren't, you know, they're not going to pull any funny stuff and they know if they're legit or not. Because people, that's another thing about the gallery business from, uh, I know from um, speaking to Gary, is people call them all the time or email them and saying they're interested in buying a piece and they just don't come through, you know, they just stop responding to emails. They think it's, you know, so you can't count your money until the check's cleared or until, you know, they've given you the money. So, um, uh, but... Again, uh, seeing the work in person is probably the the biggest reason to do a show, and you don't have to do it all the time. Um, I can't personally; I don't make enough money to survive from gallery shows. No way, not even close. And I'm pretty successful in the art community as an artist, you know. And if I can't do it, then I mean, I've I've kind of got high expenses because I got a family and I've got a mortgage and stuff, so and a lot of debt from being stupid when I was younger, um, falling into that whole credit card thing. But, um, uh, so, uh, there still, there, there are, like I said, there are benefits and it's, it is worth pursuing, but it's not the, you know, it's not the thing that's going to save you. And make your career. The thing that's gonna save you and make your career is learning how to market yourself and to sell. It's you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It all comes back to you. So, you know, it, it's something to consider too if you're, you know, you really wanna do this. It's not easy, it really is not. It's very difficult. So you have to absolutely love what you're doing. Um, because that's, what's going to see you through when you're, when you're having these difficult times, like I was having the well, an night. uncertainty,
0: you got to be able to handle uncertainty, yeah, you know, absolutely. because when you have a paycheck, you know, you're going to get every two weeks, there is, you can rely on that to whatever degree, even if it's a looser, you can kind of rely on it, right, even right. in your mind, but you have to deal with the uncertainty of like, well, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so hope the
1: money comes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's nothing I would love more than to just have a gallery that dealt with all the sales and made me enough money to survive. But it's just not it's I've never been able to make that a reality. It's just the scene is, is different. It's not these super high end multimillionaires buying the work for the most part. You know, there are a couple, but, you know, I could count them on one hand for sure. Um, and uh, it's mostly I mean, and that's kind of one of the cool things about this scene as well is it's regular people buying art. And people with a little more money than average, you know, which is cool. I I like you know, I, I feel like I have more in common with that buyer. Not that I would turn away a rich person, <laughs> but but right, I, right. that's kind of a good a good aspect of this scene as well as kind of a bad aspect is there's just not tons of money. It's not like a bunch of Silicon Valley people are just totally into dark art and they just want to throw, throw money around, you know, although there is one oh, that I but can we think can of. at least
0: hope, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, I said there is one Silicon Valley guy we can both think. Of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, the thing is, I think that part of the whole idea of the dark art society again, is that we would like, I think all of us, I, I think I can speak for all of us in the sense that, yeah, it's, it's all cool to be in a grassroots kind of mode, but the reason that you're in that mode is because you want to take over an area. That's what grass does. It takes over mm-hmm. the area. And so, you know, we want all of us, I think, to have people that are multimillionaires that are paying us the, what we deserve to be able to do the work. But we have to get it in people's faces that in fact, what we're doing is fine art and does qualify for that price point, you know? So again, a sideline, but I think the point that I'm making is, is that the whole point of creating the dark art society. And when I say legitimize the dark art movement, I'm not saying it's not legitimate. Of course it's legitimate. It already exists, but to legitimate it in, legitimize it in the eyes of the more highfalutin buyers so that we. We can make what we deserve so that we're not struggling right. as much so that we can do better work.
1: Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, it should be open to everybody. I think it's great. More wealthy people come into this fold and support us. It's It'd be amazing. You know, I guess my point was it's not there yet, you know, but it's, you know, it's hopefully going in that direction. But at the same time, you know, it's kind of cool to just have a wide range of prices so that everyone can buy your work and then you're, you know, you're connected to everybody. Um, but anyway, anyway, uh, that, that's a little side point, but, um, so, uh, you know, getting back to the pros of the gallery, uh, I guess, well, what I actually, what I wanted to say was take, uh, when dealing with galleries also take into consideration that it is difficult. Try not to have an adversarial role in it, you know. People, I don't know. They think of galleries as like record companies, where bands and record company companies are like the enemy. And and you know, I feel like we're both in this together. You know, we both should be benefiting. We both should be helping each other out. And um, you know, realize that they're they're not at like I said for the galleries I'm speaking of, which are this kind of I guess you maybe call them mid level galleries. I don't know compared to the blue chip galleries um you know understand that they're they have difficulties as well and it's not easy and um it's 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 easy to see them as these behemoths that just have all the money and are out to rip out rip off artists but most of the galleries i know are um actually just you know they're just trying to make it as well they're trying to earn a living and they love art and so they've you know, found a way, basically what we're doing as artists they're doing as non-artists, you know, they're doing the same thing. They love art though. They're like collectors who, you know, have made it their business to be in the business of art so they can see art all the time and be around all art all the time. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's, I don't know. I think, I think that the people that are easy to work with that sell are, are going to, do better at galleries than the people that sell that aren't easy to work with. You know, they're always going to choose the person that's easier to work with. If they can, if it's, if it comes down to, they're both selling, you know, but sometimes galleries have to put up with people that act like assholes because they'll make the money. And that's just the reality, you know, it's a business. It's a yeah, business. it is. So, um, uh, you know, the, the other thing that's cool about having gallery shows is that it gives you kind of an excuse to create a body of work that can be shown together and and have a story or a theme, you know, like I I would never have, I don't think I'm organized enough or had the luxury financially to be able to, to do something like that, unless I had to for a show, you know, for a solo show. Um, So it's kind of a nice opportunity for that as well which is also good for your repu- reputation to have, uh, you know, a series of themed works. Um, uh, let's gallery see. pricing, pricing galleries. Oh to yeah, that, you. that's right. Okay. Thank you. appreciate it. Um, yeah, I wanted to bring up this idea as well of the, the whole 50% thing. Now that throws people for a loop sometimes. Um, Galleries generally take fifty percent, so that should factor into your pricing. But when you sell on your own, you should not go below that price. So if you you know if you have a piece that sells for two thousand dollars at a gallery, and you get a thousand, you can't. Well, you can, but you're going to screw yourself. You you shouldn't go to a collector behind the gallery's back and sell a piece for a thousand dollars. And the reason for that is, for one, it pisses the galleries off because why would anybody buy from a gallery for two thousand when they can buy from you for one thousand? The other thing that it really does that's bad is it affects your collector base. It it really screws your collectors more than anybody because you know some collectors. Few, pretty, you know, f- very few of them in the dark art community I've seen. But there, you know, there are some, and it's legitimate. They view their artwork as this uh, financial investment. Like they'd rather put their money into artwork they can look at instead of putting it in a bank. You know, so it's parked in their living room where they can see it, and they can, you know, if they need money, they can always sell it or whatever after it gains value. Um, the so uh if you sell a uh, To another collector behind the gallery's back for half price, you have just screwed every collector that has bought a piece of yours through a gallery. You have just made their investment go down by half. So you've essentially (laughs) lowered the value of your work to them.
0: By 50%. By
1: 50%. So that's really kind of a shitty thing to do, actually, for your collectors, you know. What your value of your work is, is based on what it's selling for, you know. It's... That's the bottom line. It's, it's what the market will, will bear like it or not. So that's why you should never do that. It's a real, real bad thing to do. Um, it's generally accepted at shows or on your own. If you're selling that, you can, you can give a 10 to
0: 20% discount if you must, if you know, uh, but like you just, if you were, like, let's say you were doing, a, you know, an Easter sale or a Black Friday sale or a whatever right. sale, you could throw that discount on there and be comfortable with it because that's, it's that's, an occasion. It's the industry standard for discounts, right. you know? Um you said, let's, let's repeat that. You said 10 to 20%. Yeah. Right? Yeah.
1: And, you know, the galleries won't get pissed at you and it's, you know, and it's up to you whether you want to do that, how desperate you need the how desperately you need the money or it's. You know it's a friend or whatever you have that option just that's kind of the unspoken rule of the art world you know so um uh so yeah price accordingly and i guess that's that brings us around to pricing which is really a big deal to a lot of artists um, this could maybe go in the market the art marketing
0: Well, and how, I mean, when you think about pricing, it's such a weird thing because it's like, again, for me, I guess I can speak from my angle because I, you know, I haven't, I didn't expect to ever, I I just did all this fine art because I have to do it. (laughs) I'm like compelled to do it, but I'm not, I I never expected it to go anywhere. So then I started thinking, like, well, what, how how do I put a price tag on like Doomsland, You know, I made this thing. It's so weird. You know, it's like made out of clay I found out in the Arroyo out here and reconstituted and molded and fired in an open pit. It's just ridiculous. How do I even? I don't even know how to keep track of that. So, what I did was, I I counted up my hours and I said, okay, how many hours did I work? How much money do I really need to make in order to live? And, you know, and then that was the number I came to. So, really, that's, I didn't think like, oh, well, I'm going to have to mark it up for the gallery and this and that. Now, you can talk about that and correct that. But in my mind, I was just like, well, what is it worth? I mean, what is my time and energy worth? That's the only way I could value it, you know? Well, that's,
1: you know, a lot of people do that and think, that way. Because every artist I know of has trouble pricing their work when they're starting out. I had trouble. I was asking around. I went through this whole thing. And the bottom line is it's completely arbitrary. It's totally arbitrary. It's what the market will bear. I feel personally, I I feel like my wor- work compared, you know, what I I put into it, the amount of work I put into it, I don't feel like I get enough for my paintings. I think they're undervalued. But that's what the market will bear, so that's what they're worth. Um, so, uh, you well,
0: know, case in point, I have never sold a piece at one of these shows. There you go. So clearly, I'm marking it up for more <laughs> than the market will bear, right? Um, and that's, you know, uh, I take that back. That's not fair. Actually, Myron did get a piece from me at one point in time. But nevertheless, well, yeah, on. Well,
1: I, we see your point. Um, I, I, what I did was what I think it was LC a cannibal flower suggested and lc cannibal flower group shows are they're, they're these um and and let's we'll talk about that too they're a monthly group show in la um like an art party one day still operate still yeah still, i think, still does, I think huh? so yeah i think they do I, I, yeah yeah they do and uh, it's a great place to get your feet wet in the art world because they're very much about you know finding new talent and just letting you know you have to you have to be pretty bad not to get in a cannibal flower show. They're very open, you know, to showing people that show potential with their work and, and they're just super cool. They're great. Every city. And that's should how have, you broke it, right? Yeah. Every city should have a cannibal flower. Um, it's amazing. It's a one night art party. Um, anyway, and we'll get back to that. We'll get back to cannibal flower. Uh, cause that's, that was my, 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 that's my first big gallery experience. I think I had a show before that, but, um, uh, what was I saying? I was talking I about I, I don't know where you headed. <laughs> Cannibal Flower. Oh, LC. LC uh the guy who runs one of the guys who runs Cannibal Flower. He suggested to to do to sell low to start with because there is this unspoken rule that you can always raise your prices, but you cannot lower your prices. So once you set your prices, you can't lower them. Again, if one person bought a piece that you had priced at 2000 and and you realize nothing's selling at 2000 and you started selling the same type of piece at $1,000, again, that, at least that one person you just screwed on their investment. So it also looks kind of bad to lower your prices. You know, It, it makes you look less valuable. So I chose to go low when I started. So I sold those pieces, um, the oval monster portraits or those uh, – Pieces that started selling for me right away. Uh, they sell. They'd go for twenty five hundred now. I sold them. It was like two or three hundred bucks or something. Oh, that's in the documentary, right? Does Nelson yeah. talk about yeah, that? Yeah. yeah, he does. It's really a funny scene yeah. too.
0: He's like, <laughs> yeah. the way he says yeah. it because he's got such personality. Yeah, you know, like, I won't even mimic it because yeah. I couldn't do him. He's just so funny. Yeah, yeah it's he's a great awesome. scene.
1: But um, so I, what I did is I started low and they started selling at the cannibal flower shows. And that's something to consider also is a red dot on your painting at a show is worth more than the money you get. Sometimes, you know, that shows that people are interested in buying your work and that you can, and that you can't have that painting because someone else bought it already. And that's, you know, there's a big kind of psychological aspect to, uh, buying and selling art is when something is, you know, it's more, it's, it's, a. Uh, You know, it's it's you're not able to get it. It's kind of goes hmm, and gets you thinking. Why tantalizing? Yeah, why does why? Maybe I should look a little more into this artist. He's selling, and so you you have to consider that as well. Uh, You know, I I know artists that price their work low and then they sell shows out, and it's you know it looks great for you to, to sell a show out. That's a that's a big deal. I've never sold a show out. I've I've never sold all the paintings of a show. I've I have sold the show out you know within a year or two the pieces are gone but as far as the run of the gallery show I've never sold a show out I usually do about half or three quarters which is pretty great um so anyway I started really low and it and it worked like a charm because um it was Gary I think bought the first one when he saw it and uh
0: Gary from, Copra, yeah, right? Gary from yeah, Gary
1: from copro. It was one or two pieces. I don't remember if it was at a cannibal flower and the, the next one, I had a couple of those oval portraits and they sold right away. I think that's what happened. The The, the first one sold I put two more in and I might've even raised the price a little bit, which is kind of crazy because usually this is a good point too. You, you know, you should raise your prices 10 to 20% a year and I'll get back to that um, in a second after I tell this part. But, um, there was these two paintings at the cannibal flower show and someone bought them. I think it was Gary before the show opened or within a few minutes. And then all these people wanted it because he, I don't think he even had time to put the red dot on. So then suddenly there's this commotion around these two paintings of like, you know, two or three people wanting to buy them. And that just is like, you know, amazing publicity and amazing uh, hype around you as an artist That, oh, shit, his paintings just sold and everybody wants them and they're fighting over them. That's the impression. It's worth
0: more than money for sure. totally (laughs)
1: Totally worth more than money. And that's really where the ball got rolling for me because after that, Gary was like, you know, he liked my work, but he saw that people wanted my work. So he started showing me and that's kind of where it all took off from. Um,
0: well, and I think again, as you said before, you can pull that off nowadays in other ways, when you started doing all that in, you know, 2002, 2004, the world was quite a different place than compared to how it is technologically. So there are, I mean, I I watch a lot of artists, up and coming artists now who are hijacking, using all these things and hijacking that whole system and getting some pretty good exposure pretty fast, you know, as a result of using social media, the the way you should as a business person, as well as a creative type. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I think I interrupted where you were headed, but yeah, you were gonna you were gonna come back to cannibal flower. Yeah, what was my point? At some point, can- you had uh, another
1: come. Oh, I was gonna come back to the pricing of ten to twenty percent thing. Um, that's another good point. Uh, again, this is kind of getting into. We, maybe we should just turn this into <laughs> dark art part two plus the gallery. Well, if we just, shows. I
0: mean, I figure we'll finish recording this and then we can See take a happens. break yeah. and I'll have a cigarette and then we can start the next one and then we can, I can do whatever. I mean, I can cut them however we want to cut them. That's true. If um, we even talk about some dark art marketing stuff here and we want it in the other one I can even move them. So it yeah, matter. that's true.
1: Okay. let's. Yeah. It's more important to keep the flow going, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that that's another thing that you should do and it, and it does apply to galleries, I guess as well. But um, you should raise your prices 10 to 20% a year. And um, that is so that, you know, you make more money every year. Um,
0: Inflation, right?
1: Right. But also, it's to increase the value of your work, you know, and to, to raise the uh, value of the collector's pieces that invested in you early on. You know, it's a way of rewarding them as well. And it's really important. Um, that your work, the value of your, your work keeps going up
0: now. Well, even to the point where you'll like, I've watched you help people that are collectors of yours sell your work. You know, here, you know, on one hand, an artist might think like, well, that's weird. You know, they're selling something that he doesn't own anymore. He's not going to make anything off of it. But the ben- there's there are benefits of doing that. You know, there right. are benefits of stepping in to help that collector sell that because you're helping them to make more off of the investment, which drives the value of your work up. Right.
1: And seeing the work sell in the secondary market is also good for you to see that your work is valuable and people are reselling it. It helps, you know, uh, uh, you know, it helps get collectors to notice that your work is worth investing in. And, you you know, I guess the overall picture I'm painting with a lot of this stuff is that you, you know, look at things a little more deeply. Don't just look at them on the surface, you know, regarding dealing with galleries and seeing them as adversaries, you know, think about it, think about what goes into running a gallery, think about the stuff they have to deal with. You know, there's. it's easy just to have kind of a knee jerk reaction. And it's the same thing with, we were talking about working for free, you know, it's like, think about it. Sometimes, you know, it's, sometimes it's a bad thing, but sometimes there's other benefits to to
0: doing things that on the surface seem bad. Well, hey, and a little shout out right now to Brian Kilgore of Kilgore Sounds, uh, speaking of which because you just brought him up and speaking of working for free. uh, He's not (laughs) working for free. He's working for credit, and he's working because he wants to be involved. But nevertheless, he stepped in, as you're talking about right now, and offered up to mix and master the music and the audio and the voice and all of that for the Dark Art Society podcast. And he is incredible at it. And so he gets to have his links on the page and people get to see that and they hear that he's done a great job and they're interested in him he's helping us to do something that then frees us up so that we're not preoccupied having to screw around doing all of that. And ultimately we can focus on the things that we're really more astute at. Mm-hmm. And so it's a win, 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 you know? And it's, so it's just kind of a cool thing that that happened here, you know, for you and I, that developed over the past couple of right. weeks, week and a half here amidst us talking about working for free. And sometimes <laughs> it's worth it. Well, I, well, you know, Brian, I hope it was worth it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I,
1: I think most of the time people say that cause I, we, we started off by saying people, bitch about. artists especially bitch about um people asking them to do work for free i think most of them are bitching about people that can afford to pay not paying that's the difference you know we're all part of the same community so i think it's you know it makes more sense to help help ourselves and each other out in that way you know what i'm saying Yeah, yeah i follow i follow so anyway what was the what was i saying I keep doing that. I know. Stop interrupting me. (laughs) Here's the way you interrupt. Go like this with your finger up and then, and then I'll get ready to wrap it up and I can write down what I'm saying. So I can remember.
0: (laughs) This is way more fun though for me. (laughs) I think the audience likes it too.
1: I, I don't think
0: so. He's like, yeah, no, no, not so much.
1: Um, I was talking, Oh, I was talking about increasing your, your pricing. So that's the reason to raise your prices, uh, every year. That's just a general, like I said, it's a general unspoken rule. And there was, during the uh, recession, I didn't raise my prices at all for I don't know how many years it was. I just kept them the same. But at the same time, what was crazy about the recession for me is that I didn't really feel it. I don't still don't quite understand that. I, I think it's because I just have this really loyal collector base because they like you know they they like the work and I treat them well and I you know we 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 like each other. I that must have something to do with it, but it says something about you know having uh, the, the value of a loyal collector base and how well you should treat them and how important they are to your success as an artist. Because I, I really, I did, like I said, I didn't feel like we were going through a recession except for everything going on around me. I was like, I kind of made around the same money, um, which was pretty cool and totally surprising to me because I was freaking out once they announced that it was a recession. Um, but anyway, that's why you should. Uh, that, that the main I guess the main two reasons you, you want to raise your prices is uh, to reward your collectors, and the, so you, you know eventually you can make decent money. Especially if you're starting low, like I did. I mean, I recommend starting low. Now, the danger of starting your prices low is that there is this perceived value. Um, people, when they see a price on something, they you know, if you have something in a gallery for a hundred thousand dollars, people are gonna, you know, automatically go, oh, that guy must be important. This must be really worth something. So there is something to be said about that approach. That's kind of true. On the other hand, if you're trying to make a living in the real world, you know, we don't all have that luxury to wait for, you know, however many years to sell a piece like that, twenty years or something. So. I would say, you know, the approach I took was starting low and then, and then raising as you were selling. And, and probably within that first year of selling so much, I raised quite a bit. I probably raised up to over a period of a couple of years, like that $200 painting to around a thousand dollars, which was probably too fast, you know, but I didn't know what I was doing and it did seem to work, you know, and it got you were me on a tear. You were <laughs> like,
0: I'm on a ride, I'm going for it.
1: I mean, I'm not totally sure on the timeline. Line of that but i do know that i did it faster than i probably should have but you know i kind of needed to at the time and it did work out so i wouldn't recommend that so the trick is not going to you know lower than you can afford but as low as you can possibly stand it you know so um oh man i need a pad of paper right here to write down because i keep having these thoughts and then they go right out of my brain
0: I have a pad of paper over here. I can write. Like. <laughs> I'll tell you, I and mean, then you write them for me and then you can tell I already me back. Did. I did that earlier. That's true. That's how I remember gallery pricing. Yep. Um, I mean, actually I didn't even look cause I, once I wrote it down, I took a snapshot with my mind of what it looked like. Yeah. So then I had the memory, but I'm weird like that. Yeah. You've got that weird talent.
1: So, um, let me think of some other gallery things, you know, maybe people can ask questions as well. We could vi- revisit this again. Um, and any questions, if you I, guys thought,
0: I mean, so far I got to say, I think I, what you had to say was, was really fascinating even for me just to hear. And honestly, as a refresher, because I've heard you say these things before, but under various circumstances right. during various right. times when they were happening. That one thing, yeah. That one thing you just talked about where you were talking all about, uh, um, you know, your pricing and how not to screw over the galleries and why that screws your collectors. I remember being on your front porch in Monrovia and you telling me that whole thing, and that was like three years ago. So it's fun to hear it again because at the time I was like, oh, yeah, no shit, huh? <laughs> it's and again, interesting. it's so obvious. It, yeah, you know? But I, then <laughs> when you step back, you're like, God, it's so obvious, but at the same time, I just wouldn't really thought right, of it. So right. it's cool. It's really helpful. I think you've had a, a really a lot to offer here. Oh, good. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That that. Yeah, I, all these things are things that I learned either the hard way or from hearing from people or reading in a marketing book. And every time I heard them, I was like, "Oh, this is obvious. Why didn't I think of that?" But you know, we're artists, and we're not used to thinking in business terms. You know, that's our challenge. But. You know i think when we learn this stuff it makes i I feel like such a better person for having learned all that stuff i was never interested in any business dealings or dealing with people it's just i'm i'm a loner i really like being alone i have a few friends and uh you know that's enough for me but forcing myself to do all this stuff and 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 uh deal with people in galleries and, and, and business. It's really made me more of a whole person. I I feel like, so, you know, I would um, encourage people to really try to learn the skills you're lacking, especially if something I was just talking to uh, an artist friend of mine who's a little bit newer in the scene. Um, God, what's her name? I mean, I know her name. I just don't know how to pronounce Miriam Marischatz, Yeah, I know who you're talking about. She does, yeah, I, she's great. I love her I stuff. love her work. It's so cool. She has these yeah, crazy clowns. Awesome. And she was talking about not wanting to ha- – hating to do these interviews. And and she got invited on this cable access show. And she's like, I just want to avoid it. Please tell me there's a way to avoid it. And I was on there like going, no, you, you really have to <laughs> – you know, you have to do it. And in fact, you know – everything I've done that has really benefited me the most as a, as an artist was things I did not want to do. And then they scared the shit out of me, but I did them anyway. Those are the most rewarding things. So I kind of, we, we talked about it. It's not what she wanted to hear, but she eventually kind of, uh, figured out a workaround to, to be on this TV show. And it was great. You know, it was a creative kind of problem solving. And, um, her her name is uh, Pseudo Five P S E U D O Five uh, on Instagram. Nice. She, her, yeah, her works. I love her stuff. I taught a class at a she get uh, at a school she was at. She worked worked a deal to where I could fly out to fly up to uh, San Francisco and teach a class. It was one of my first classes. It was really cool. So anyway, um, one thing I, I want to say about pricing too is. Uh, y- there, there's this for, for flat artwork, you can, um, you know, you could do the hourly thing. I know some artists that do that, but some, usually what happens is the art takes so long that you're out, that the painting's too expensive when you go hourly. So that's why I don't really do that. Uh, but you can try the square inch approach. You know, this is good for, you know, scaling. Mean, if you're not sure what to price larger pieces, um, And that is basically measuring the square inches of your painting and figuring out what is the uh, price per square inch. And then when you do a larger piece that you've never done before, you can kind of apply the formula. You know, I know I'm selling it for, you know, whatever, 50 cents a square inch. So when I blow it up to, you know, a three by four foot piece, uh, it's kind of consistent, you know, and you don't have to stick like hard and fast to that rule. But if... You'll know if you're in the ballpark. That's what I do. It's like I don't stick to that rule to where I, um, f- you know, follow it to the letter. Um, but I will – if if I – when I was figuring out different prices for different sizes, because um, that's how basically I price my work. And and that's how most people price their work uh, by size, which brings me – God, I'm such a – scatterbrained idiot let, let me say this don't, you know but don't, the don't, thing don't, is it's better now. that wait, wait, way wait, 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 wait. i gotta say this sorry um
0: oh, by size you. by size pricing by size right
1: but i was gonna say something else damn it
0: oh shit <laughs> and i says holy shit yeah you fucked me up again mike uh, uh you can always blame it on me but you really you've just <sighs> fucked yourself up by not being prepared
1: <sighs> Ah. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Let me get back. Uh, oh, I know what I wanted to say. Okay. <laughs> sorry. Hilarious it's, it's hilarious. Okay, dude. okay. Okay, don't. You're going to make this, this forget. Don't make, me forget. don't make me forget. Don't make me stuff. forget. Stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Shit. Fucker. Oh, don't say anything, please. Just let me remember. Okay, I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Your pieces should be priced by size, and because if you have, okay, say you have a painting that is eleven by fourteen. This is this is uh, making a statement against using uh, the dogs are here, using uh, <laughs> using um, how much hours you put into it. This is why okay. This is why the hourly thing doesn't work very well because. I can have an eleven by fourteen, and my hours total up to, say, twenty five hundred dollars. That's what my that that's what my eleven by fourteens go for with the custom frame. Now I could because painting is such a weird thing, and art making in general is such a weird thing, that I could spend twice as much time on it, and then all of a sudden I'm going to have a five thousand dollar eleven by fourteen painting that looks about the same as the twenty five hundred dollar painting. Collectors are not going to understand that. I mean, they might understand it, but they're going to be, if, if you're not there to explain it to them, they're going to be like, why is this piece twice as much when they're basically a similar style? They could be from the same show. It's not, you know, painting is not that formulaic. It's just sometimes they're easy. Sometimes they take half the time, you know, sometimes they take three times the time. So, uh, that's kind of why the hourly thing doesn't work. That's a
0: great point. It's you a know? really, really good point, point. and so, that makes sense. You would know that because you've done a lot of it. Whereas, right. like for someone like right, me exactly. who's never had to, you know, there's how would you even know? I right. mean, you, would ne- you only really could figure that out through experience. Yeah. I think.
1: No, I, I've I've been there myself. You know, in the beginning, yeah. I remember doing
0: that whole thing, and it's just you know it's something you got to go through. But well, the truth of the matter is, same thing with filmmaking, man. I mean, mm-hmm. know, I pay myself like six dollars and twenty three cents an hour. If if that, that would be a good rate. I'm joking because I haven't pulled a paycheck in three and a half months, actually. Yeah.
1: yeah, If you want to make money, that's the other thing we should say. Don't make documentaries. (laughs) Uh, But we didn't do it for the money. We did it for the love.
0: I did it because I was fascinated by you. I mean, really, you know, you wouldn't have done anything if I hadn't have approached you. And the reason I approached you was because I was fascinated by you. And I felt a kindred connection with you. And it seemed unfounded because I didn't know you. And so I wanted to explore that. So really, it was an incredibly selfish process of me (laughs) just wanting to, like, be a (laughs) fanboy. I mean, let's be honest. But, you know, I'm also a filmmaker. So I pulled that part off, too. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. Well, that's why I said yes, too, because I didn't know you. It could have been a disaster, you know, I I got the, I got the vibe. Obviously it was our, our intuition was correct, but let me say this about, um, the square inch thing. Um, what I do is I, now that I have kind of these prices set, I don't have to deal with it now because I've got, my prices are set. And so I just raise them every year if appropriate, which, you know, if the economy's okay, raise your prices every year, um, So what I'll do though is if say I do something, if I do a painting that's bigger than I've ever done, like a seven foot painting, I would apply the, I know that, you know, the the square inch price of my 11 by 14s are, I will, when I'm trying to price the painting, I will run the formula based on my 11 by 14 paintings and say, okay, if I did, if I did buy the square inch, what would it be if it's a seven foot tall painting? And that gives me a ballpark, and it's usually, um, you know, you have to adjust it. It's not going to work out. Sometimes it might be too much, or sometimes it might be too little. Um, I did that. Actually, I got asked to do this big painting, like a giant painting, that I thought was going to take me a year, and I I got turned down because my price was way too high. But I did, I figured figured it out by the square inch thing, and it actually. I asked for too much and they wanted me to do it for way too little, so it worked out. Um, I think I put in like a hundred thousand dollars with my price, and they were like, Oh, we were thinking sixteen thousand. So there was like, it was so far and it was a huge, it was like the size of a big wall. But um anyway. So, you know, it's a good the square inch rule, you know, once you even if you have one size established price-wise. You know, figure out the square inches, and I don't even remember how to figure it out. It's really easy. I just looked up how to figure out square inches. I mean, it's kind of common. And then figure that out. And then that that will help you um, figure out the value of your other pieces. Just to know if you're in the ballpark. And it doesn't have to be exact, you know. Because like I said, it's all arbitrary. It's really, you know, pricing is arbitrary, but it needs to maintain remain consistent. That's the important thing is consistency. Um, so I can't think of let me let me just Think for a second if there's anything I missed because we're coming up on an hour now. Well, you, you, think, think, and I'm a, you yeah. think and I'll
0: talk. Yeah. yeah. So I just want to, of course, uh, utilize this platform in the way that we have expressed to you you should be using your platforms, and that's to do a little self promotion. Uh, for those of you who haven't noticed, there is a new sneak peek episode. Actually, it's billed as an interruption because, in fact, it is an interruption to the Dark Art Society podcast. It's up right now. It's called Emails from Infinity, which is a book that I wrote over a two and a half year span and have edited and now i have turned into a podcast that it will be bi-weekly there will be about 45 minute length episodes it's 14 hours long so it should last about a year and uh, i think it'll really be fun and interesting it's scored it's got uh, sound effects and it's all pretty much written directed and produced by me with also some again some assistance from uh, brian kilgore at kilgore sound doing mixing and mastering and he's just doing an impeccable job So tune into that, guys, and tell me what you think about it, and uh, hopefully you can tune into it on soundcloud.com forward slash emails from infinity. That handle's empty now. There's nothing there except for just the structure, links and things of that nature. But again, it will be at soundcloud.com forward slash emails from infinity, and it'll be hosted on Stitcher and iTunes and all that. So thanks, guys, and uh, tune in.
1: Yeah, it is great. It's fascinating stuff. It's really, really amazing how well it's written and crazy, crazy stories. Um, I can't think of anything. The things I can think of are more towards art marketing. So we could maybe revisit this at another time. If, if I come up with other thoughts about it, we could also
0: galleries part two.
1: Yeah. We could also field questions. If anyone has any questions that, that, that I didn't answer about galleries, maybe we could do it in a future episode. Just leave comments on the, uh, SoundCloud page or the iTunes page, probably SoundCloud sound be best for that, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so maybe that's a great idea.
1: Yeah. So I, I think we covered a
0: lot, right? Yeah. No, it was a great episode, man. Super it. informative. Yeah. I love listening. to You talk about this stuff. I mean, again, it's, this is the kind of thing that really, to be honest, this is what people have been paying you to do for a long time is talk about these things or they haven't been paying. you been giving it away for free just because yeah. they're your friends and your associates. But the point is, is that to be able to do it in a manner where we can reach out to this many people simultaneously and help them with that. That's the whole idea. That's what this is all about. So yeah. it's a resource based you know, organization and, and that's really what you're providing here and you're doing it at a cost of zero. Um, so in with that said, I would like to direct people to chetzar.bigcartel.com, which is the place where you can buy merchandise from chet including chets are i like to paint monsters the documentary that i produced and directed about him that we referred to during this episode and that will help support chet and also allow him to continue to provide all the resources for this podcast to transpire definitely thank you
1: yeah well thanks for listening and uh thanks mike for chatting and um,
0: absolutely and we'll do it again next week yeah, we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you so much. And you guys have a good one. Oh, and lo- wait, 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 one last thing. I'm going to do one more thing because it's just important. i got to keep saying it. It's huge for us if you guys take a moment to just rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you found us. And especially review us because that keeps us in the charts. And we're really trying to right. get a far re- reach with this thing.
1: Yeah, even even hitting the like button on SoundCloud. I I, I know, you yep. know we see yep. that like 300 people – listen and then you get like seven likes or something yeah <laughs> it's yeah, like it a really sure. really, it really helps basically any way you can engage yeah. yeah yeah or spreading the word sharing it i talked to people i talked to people at the at uh, monster the monster palooza convention At my booth there were so many people that came up and were totally into the podcast which is amazing but then there was people that had no idea that we were doing a podcast so you know just because you're saying it don't assume that everybody else knows if there's other people in this scene um that might benefit from this information pass it along you know because we, yeah, you know, we yeah. all we all benefit from it it'll help us to keep doing the podcast and you'll have something to listen to and it'll also help you know there'll be resources for someone else who might not know about it so you know please uh spread the word yep spread the dark art love people yep all right see all you right. later later guys bye